Let's talk about power. The power to push back evil with just a thought. The power to level a mountain. Well, it's a spiritual mountain, but we'll get to that later. The point is, for the angels that Swedenborg was hanging out with, this was routine stuff. And he's far from the only one to report experiences with these bright, loving, powerful beings that we call angels. So where do these angels get their power? What do they use it for? And is it anything that we could ever tap into? But of course, this brings up the question, if angels are so cool, why is life still so hard? Why is the world still messed up? So what is the nature of angels' power and what are the restrictions on it? And how does that affect our day-to-day -day life? Stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. This is the show where we take a look at the recorded experiences of Emanuel Swedenborg, and we take a look at life, and we see, do the two intersect? Can we improve on our living of life through our knowledge of what Swedenborg and others like him saw? And today we're going to take a look at angels. My name is Curtis Childs. I'm the host. If you want to talk about angels or angelic-type things, get your questions in, your comments. We're doing at the end of the show, as always, we do a live Q&A period. So, Angels, people use that term. People use other terms, beings of light, spirit guides. There's a lot of different ways people reference these things, but it's a generally shared experience that there's beings that are very loving and wise, and they often exude light, and they can do things, and they interact with us. This is reported in experiences all over the place, and it's all through Swedenborg's works as well. You're not going to go very far in there without finding out about angels. And with Swedenborg, because he was having so much experience and cataloging it so faithfully and so meticulously, we learn from him not only what angels are like, but what they can do, why they can do those things, how they work, and what their goals are. So if, that, if we can really know that, if he's really onto it, we should check that out, because it would be nice to uh, pull a little bit of that angelic sphere into day-to-day life here, don't you think? So this is a look into the power that angels have, and we're going to begin it, part one, a will and a look. You'll find that pretty commonly, people will say angels are powerful beings. Uh, I don't think there's many accounts of, there was an angel, but he needed me to help lift them up the stairs or something. Like They generally have things together, and they're, they're the ones helping us. And Swedenborg says as well that angels are quite powerful, but he puts a spin on sort of our perception about it. This is his book, Heaven and Hell, number 228. Click the, uh, the box here to download that for free. People who do not know anything about the spiritual world and its inflow into the natural world cannot grasp the fact that angels have power. They think that angels cannot have power because they are spiritual and so pure and substantial that they cannot even be seen by our eyes. People who probe more deeply into the causes of things, though, feel otherwise about it. He's saying that you don't, walking down the street, you, and maybe some of you do, but you don't normally see angels. We don't see obvious impact of angels that gets reported on the news. Angels, are, do they even exist? Are they, they this ethereal thing? They're not on this planet. How can they manipulate anything? How can they get anything to happen? But he says, you only doubt the solidity of angels' influence if 
you don't understand the way that the spiritual world flows in to the natural world. So let's learn a little bit about that. And this is further from that same number, Heaven and Hell 228. He's talking about the prevailing attitudes of people in his day, and that's where he begins. They are aware that all the power we ourselves have comes from our intellect and volition. Since without these, we cannot move the slightest part of our bodies. Intellect and volition are our spiritual person. This person is what animates the body and its members at will. For the mouth and tongue say what it thinks, and the body does what it intends. It even bestows energy at will. Our intention and discernment are governed by the Lord through angels and spirits. And since this is true of our intention and discernment, it is true of all aspects of our bodies, because these latter come from the former. Believe it or not, we cannot move a step without the inflow of heaven. If you're saying, I've never had an encounter with an angel, have you ever walked? Swedenborg is saying that the ability to function consciously is actually streaming in through angels in heaven to us, that we need all of that power uh, to come, or that, that power that power needs to be sourced to us from heaven, from angels. So we're in contact with them all the time. And Swedenborg got to experience this perceptibly. He had a tangible sense of the flow from heaven into him. This is Heaven and Hell 228. Again, this is like the number of the year here, man. We're going all through this. Uh, I've been shown that this is true by a great deal of experience. Angels have been allowed to activate my walking, my actions, my tongue, and my conversation as they wished by flowing into my intention and thinking, and I learned at first hand that I could do nothing on my own. They told me later that everyone is governed in this way, and that we might learn this from the doctrine of the church and from the word. We actually pray that God will send his angels who may lead us, guide our steps, teach us, and inspire us as to what we should think and say, and so on. This even though we talk and believe quite differently in our private thoughts apart from doctrine. These things have been mentioned to illustrate the kind of power angels have with us. And he's writing again to a Western Christian audience there, but he's saying, in church, we go and we, we say, angels, please lead us. When we go home, we don't really believe it's true, but it is true. That's what he's saying. That was part of the dynamic for Swedenborg is that he lived in a, a theocratic society, essentially, but he was having this living experience of the reality. Heaven and hell are real. Angels are real. God is real. But all the people in the church with him, they gave lip service to it, but they didn't really believe it. So he's saying, not only are angels real, but they're so present that it's only by their power that we can move and think and speak and string sentences together. And actually, according to Swedenborg, and not according to everybody, but according to Swedenborg, hey, this is our show, we took a lot of time to make it, we can say this, he says angel is a destination for us, meaning we can, we can work to become angels, that angels were our ex-people, uh, and that we, if we open our minds right or have our minds open during life, we can work to have this same kind of power that angels have. And Swedenborg got an experience where he got to kind of leapfrog to, you know, we're still all angels in training, but he got to see, oh, this is what it's like to have the power that angels have. And he uses this power to defend himself from what you're going to hear in this quote described as profane magicians. Um, and this is not like David Blaine, like a rude version of David Blaine. This is a term, it's a translation of some uh, of uh, uh, his words. This is from his journal, so the original language. But 
it essentially means people, evil spirits who abuse correspondences to cause harm to people. So there's your, so don't worry about the, I don't want to get letters from the magicians, society. <laughs> These are not like rabbit out of the hat. These are like, we're going to abuse the laws of order to harm you as much as we can. These people were creeping up on him, but he got to experience the power of what it's like if you truly have that angelic mind. So this is from his spiritual experiences, 4506. I was led into a state of mind in which I might watch the profane magicians outside of me, at which time they all appeared to be entirely powerless. And it seemed to me that I would be able to move and drive every one of them by means of a very slight mental image wherever I would like. It was even granted me the power to do this, which I did by means of such a slight mental image that there could scarcely be a slighter one. From this experience, I was able to conclude in regard to angelic power that a single angel can see up to a hundred or a thousand such spirits outside of himself and all of their plots and direct them all to wherever he would like. What then can the Lord not do? They appeared then as small, as almost nothing, as almost the way a person on earth is able from a high mountain or tower to see many together as small, but in this case, also with the power to control every single one at will. At will. So when, once he had the will in the mind of an angel, he had complete control over evil. These things that were supposed to be scary and attacking him appeared small, just with this, the thought, with a, a will and a look, if you will, he was able to push them back and make them harmless. He saw other angels able to um, manipulate or control a whole hordes of people that were intent on evil. So there's this great power over evil that comes. For what it's worth, it's about focus, and that's part of why Swedenborg says prayer is actually a, an activity that can accomplish things inside you because it is an, a focus of intention on something. So with, with the angelic mind, that focus is laser sharp, and it's directly channeling this, this energy. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that in a second, but let's, let's go on to Heaven and Hell 229. In the spiritual world, angels have so much power that if I were to highlight everything I have seen, it would strain credulity. If anything, there is in, if anything there is in the way and needs to be removed because it is opposed to the divine design, they raise and overturn it simply by an effort of will and a look. There we go. There's our title. And notice that he said, if anything is, an opposed, if anything is opposed to the divine design. And that's going to come up later. We've talked a little bit about angelic power operating within our consciousness, like been, let us walk, let us move, give us good ideas. But in the spiritual world, which is the world in which our consciousness actually resides, with, it's right now we're plugged into a physical world, but our spirit, the thinking, feeling part of us, is there. In that world, because of the, the, the will and the intention that angels have, they can do these really amazing things that you would equate with superheroes in movies these days. So here's a little bit of Swedenborg describing the power that he's seen exercised by angels in the spiritual world. So I've seen mountains that were the abode of evil people leveled and overturned, sometimes shaken from end to end, as happens in our earthquakes. I've seen cliffs split down the middle right to the bottom and the evil people on them swallowed up. I've also seen angels scatter some hundreds of thousands of evil spirits and cast them into hell. A vast multitude is powerless against them. The skills and wiles and alliances of evil spirits amount to nothing. Angels see everything 
and dispel it instantly. But there's more about this in the story of Babylon destroyed. They do have this kind of power in the spiritual world. The word, too, shows that angels have power like this in the natural world when it is granted them. For example, they are said to have brought death upon whole armies, to have brought about a plague that killed 70,000 people. We read of this latter angel, quote, The angel stretched out a hand against Jerusalem to destroy it. But Jehovah, repenting of his evil, said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now hold back your hand. And David saw the angel who was striking the people, among other passages. And the risk is... We jump into this, and that makes it sound like angels are these warlords. They just go and kill and harm. But that's not. And if you, <clears throat> we're going to show a little bit later what the purpose of the power is and how it's used. It can seem dramatic in the way it's being done, but it's not actually. There's no rage in it. There's no vengeance in it. So just bear with me as we explain this. But that is just to give a sense of the magnitude of the power. If angels do have this much power the power over harmful things, do they have any weaknesses? Like, do they, is there a flip side to it? Well, let's check it out in part two. So do angels have a weakness? You know, if, if you perhaps are looking to go to war with angels uh, watching this video here, you might be wondering, is there anything I can do to get at them? Well, I don't know if you can do it or not, but there is certainly something that, that is kryptonite to angels. It sucks all their power out of them, and it has to do with uh, their sense of ownership. This is from his Heaven and Hell 230, Swedenborg's Heaven and Hell 230, where he explains a little bit about what makes an angel lose power. It does need to be known, though, that angels have absolutely no power on their own, but that all the power they have comes from the Lord. Further, they are powers to the extent that they recognize this fact. Any of them who believe that their power comes from themselves immediately become so weak that they cannot resist even a single evil spirit. This is why angels take absolutely no credit to themselves and turn down any praise or admiration for anything they have done, but attribute it all to the Lord. Taking credit from God. All the power comes from God. All the power is from the divine. We actually, sometimes when we talk about angels on this channel, we'll get people in the comments who say, why are you talking about angels? You know, they, it's all God's power. Yeah, angels are the mechanism through which it happens. Angel, the, the process of becoming an angel is this opening up to become a channel for this divine power. But if you're an angel and you let it go to your head, you don't acknowledge the source, that blocks you off because the nature of divine power is to not want to be greater than other people. As soon as you want to be great on account of the power, you're no longer participating in that divine power and you lose it all. So this is something that angels, even in heaven, Swedenborg even describes sometimes angels sort of get having struggles with this, like having a bad sort of day where they forget a bit and have to learn and come out better than before. But it's not, it's always a struggle with this human ego that we have, even when it's been pushed to the periphery and as an angels, there's, there's still work that we can continue to do to become stronger and stronger. So it's, it's the divine power flowing through. It's the Lord's power. Here's an example 
uh, of that happening. This is Secrets of Heaven 7299. Again, with the magicians, David Copperfield, <laughs> magicians in the other life are indeed deprived of their power to misuse the systems and pervert its laws by two methods. One is that the angels use the Lord's divine power, you see the angels aren't using their own power, to neutralize the magic which they do when the magicians practice it for the purpose of harming the upright. The power the Lord gives angels, again, right, Swedenborg is clear about this always, is strong enough to undo all the magic instantly. The other is that the magicians are stripped entirely of any magic power so that they can no longer bewitch anyone. We're not really talking about it, and don't, yeah, it's a loaded term. If you consider yourself a witch or something, it doesn't mean that angels are against you, all right? That's just a translated term we have there. We can go into that later. The point we're trying to make is it's God's power. There's only one source of actual power. There's only one source of love. And as soon as you depart from love, you're no longer using God's power. And that, that God's power is the only way you get to be strong. Uh, angels actually are averse or allergic to credit. They don't want to be singled out. They don't want to stand out in front of a uh, of stand apart from a group. They would rather the group get credit. Uh, they ultimately just want the Lord to get credit. And this is exactly mirrored in that greatest uh, story, a uh, human parable, which is, of course, Captain Planet. You guys know that show, a cartoon, I think it was early 90s. Um, there's there's these people, they're named the Planet. If you haven't seen it, there's a group of like young people who are named the Planeteers, and they all have these particular powers, and they have these rings, and they say, with our powers combined, we are Captain Planet, or we bring Captain Planet. It's been a while since I saw it. The point is, they all, when they combine together, Captain Planet is summoned in form as sort of an avatar, right? Or, or an expression of all of these powers. Swedenborg says there's actually a comparable thing that happens with angels, except instead of Captain Planet, you get archangels. That's right, Michael, uh, Gabriel, those kind of guys are, according to Swedenborg, not single individuals who are just way cooler than all the other angels, and as such are famous, they get a mention in the Bible, nobody else does, but they are actually emergent functions. Uh, so from many angels comes one purpose. So it could be that a particular angel is fulfilling the Michael duty, so he appears like Michael, or Michael can be this kind of like Captain Planet type thing from it. It's a, a terrible analogy, but... The point is, Swedenborg says, it's, it's a little more complex than there's just one person. He says there's no arbitrary hierarchy of angels in the heavens. It's not like one angel is so much better that it becomes an archangel and has its own will. This is something with all these people together, for example, trying to protect. When you're trying to protect, it's a Michael function. So when, pe when angels are working together, they form this. When it says Michael and his angels fought, that's all the angels everywhere who are participating in that, according to Swedenborg. So that's a function of this power that they get from the Lord. So how do you get power from the Lord? Do you apply to God, or do you, you know, mail in a flyer that you found? Or How do you get God's power? Swedenborg says it comes from aligning yourself with the divine will. This is from Revelation Unveiled, number 951. Jesus said, if you have faith if you say to this mountain, get up, throw yourself into the sea, it will be done. In fact, everything that you ask, believing, you will receive. This is a way of describing the power of people who are in the Lord. They do not want anything and therefore do not ask for anything unless it is from the Lord. And whatever they want and request from the Lord is done. For the Lord says, without me, you cannot do anything. Dwell in me and I in you. Angels in heaven have this kind of power so that they simply want something 
They, if they simply want something, they receive it. However, they do not want anything unless it is useful, and they want it apparently on their own, but actually from the Lord. And the secret is, once you, there's only one best thing to do in any situation. There's only one divine, loving, wise, there's like the ultimate course of action to take the ultimate solution to a problem. You know, if you've got the smartest, most loving person to figure it out, amplify that by a million. There's one best answer. When angels start to align with that, when they, when what they want in their life is for the greatest good to come to the greatest, to, to not just the greatest number of people, but to the whole human race, when all what they want is the common good, then you want what God wants. And so you work alongside. There's no resistance. You're going directly with that stream. So that's how you begin to be a channel for this much power, because it's already moving in that direction. You're just helping it get there. But what what is the power? Like, what is God's divine power? I mean, what's it built out of? You know, like, what's the structure of it? What elements are in it? Swedenborg says in L 231, it is the divine truth emanating from the Lord that possesses all power in the heavens, because the Lord in heaven is divine truth united to divine good. To the extent that angels are open to this truth, they are powers. And that may be a little good and truthy, which Swedenborg uses these philosophical terms. What do they mean? Here's him explaining a little bit further what that combination is and what it means. All power belongs to the divine truth that emanates from the Lord, and angels are powers to the extent that they accept divine truth from the Lord. However, angels are open to divine truth to the extent that they are open to divine good, since all the power that truths have comes from good. Truths apart from good have none. Further, all the power good has is by means of truth. Good has no power apart from truths. Power arises from the union of the two. The same holds true for faith and love, since it is all the same whether you say truth or faith, since everything that makes up faith is true, and whether you say good or love, since everything that makes up love is good. It's kind of like what happens in the sun. Swedenborg says that the physical world is an analog to the spiritual world, so everything spiritually is represented by things physically, and that the sun, for us here on this planet, is like an image of God, that it provides love uh, in the form of heat and wisdom in the form of light. So it does for the physical world, and specifically for the biosphere, what God does for all consciousness and all life. And in the sun, you similarly have this uh, combining of, of things to create power. Uh, there's nuclear fusion that's happening in the sun, and I'm not a planetary or interplanetary scientist, but I do know that you get a couple of hydrogen atoms coming together, and bam, all this energy comes out of them. And that's, that's the heat and light that you see in the sun, and the hydrogen becomes this new thing, like the mit, which is the helium, which is this mit, like a manifestation, which is the difference between good and truth according to Swedenborg. So there's a couple of thoughts on that. Um, if that's still too complex for you, we got a, another analogy, it's a body, like a body with a soul. Um, it's the Secrets of Heaven 6344. All power in the spiritual world comes from goodness through truth. Truth can do absolutely nothing without goodness, because truth is like a body and goodness is like that body's soul. If the soul is to accomplish anything, it must use the body. 
Clearly then, truth without goodness has no power whatever, just as the body has no power without a soul. A soulless body is a corpse, and so is truth without goodness. And you can see this on a simple level in ideologies. Somebody can have religious principles that seem pretty good, but when there's no love in there, it's a corpse. You see the, the damage done to the world by religious groups that think they have tru- truth, like they have these ideas, but there's no love in it. it. just brings problems, right? Problems and death. So that's the same dynamic on a much grander scale with this, uh, the need for love and truth to be together, to create this kind of power that angels have. And actually, the power of angels can be displayed just through looking at something, that just focusing their eyes on something or someone can have this great impact that Swedenborg describes in Heaven and Hell 232. I've been able to see how much power angels have through truths from good, from the fact that when angels simply look at them, evil spirits fall down in a faint and no longer look human and that this lasts until the angel looks away. The reason this sort of thing results from the gaze of angels is that their sight comes from the light of heaven, and heaven's light is divine truth. Eyes correspond to truths from good. So it's where they put their attention, their intention, and it's the divine intention that has all power. So more the more that angels and ultimately we align ourselves with that divine intention, the more that we can gain this power. And so there's a correspondence between where they look and where the intention is going. And so that has, uh, that has this impact. But why? Why do they, will they have this impact? I mean, angels aren't interested in, you know, crunching down evil spirits. They don't want to destroy people. They don't want to harm them. doesn't matter how nasty of people they are. They want to help. God is the same, but, but much more so, of course. So why all this power? What's it good for? Is it just for flashing nice-looking beams of light around? What does it do? That's what we're going to look at in part three. Divine power, as we were seeing, is truth from goodness. But what's the use? What's the purpose of it all? What is it trying to accomplish? Swedenborg had a commentary on it, of course. This is Secrets of Heaven 6344. People who subscribe to truth on the basis of goodness, that is, who possess faith as a result of neighborly love, have power through truth from goodness. It is a power that all angels have, which is why the word refers to angels as powers. They have the ability to control evil spirits, even when one angel goes up against a thousand spirits at once. With people on earth, they exert their power to the utmost, sometimes protecting us against a large number of hells in the thousands upon thousands of different ways. There you get a function. Is a function of protection, and the, specifically protection of us. That there is, according to Swedenborg, unseen to us this uh, all kinds of animosity, animosity uh, pounding in on us to the point where there's hell wanting to destroy us all the time. But angels are pushing it back, and they're protecting us, and they're doing it vigilantly, constantly, and that if you had to look at a pie chart or something of where's all the divine energy going, not that it would be an unlimited pie chart, but the point is there's a good chunk of that infinity going towards protection, and that's a lot of what angelic function is. But also angels will use power to even try to enlighten those who are in 
evil or in some kind of negative state they, or or you know in any state really but they'll use their power as a means to like open your perspective up a little bit there's a story swedenborg tells in his book married love or conjugal love 477 i'll paraphrase it for you a bit essentially there's a spirit who's coming into the spiritual world and he had been particularly promiscuous in the world. He had slept around with a lot of people, and in particular, like, sneaking his way into marriages, breaking those things up. He liked that a lot, and not only was he doing that, but he was boasting about it, saying that it made him a more worthy person than other people. Like, I'm cooler than you because I've been with more people than you. And so he he had this sort of double dose of negativity, and he was, but he'd just come into the spiritual world, he was talking himself up like he was cool. But Angel knows those kinds of behaviors, putting yourself above people, harming other people's relationships, gratification at the expense of other human beings, those are not spiritually healthy things. They're not going to lead you to happiness. They actually cause a lot of harm. So the angel came to the guy and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to show you uh, why you don't want to be doing what you're doing. So he took him up into heaven and showed him this beautiful garden. Swedenborg says that the spirit was just amazed. They said, this is, this is gorgeous. This is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And the angel said, well, now I'm going to put you in, into your internal mind. And suddenly the garden completely disappeared. It was all brown. There was just sticks left. And the spirit was bummed about this. He said, where did all this go? Where did it all go? The angel said, this is what it's like when you're really looking through your true mind at things. And he did that same trick again with uh, palaces, which turns turn into sort of like sticks and reeds, and showed that when he let this spirit into who he really was, when pretenses were gone, he couldn't enjoy heaven because he was he was forming the opposite of himself, uh, of opposite of heaven within himself. So the spirit goes on to okay, be reformed for a little while, but then he goes back to his old ways. That's not the point. The point is you have. Uh, angelic power to open the mind, to show people what they're truly like, and you have the use for that power. The angel is not trying to make this guy feel bad or attack him somehow. He's trying to enlighten him. He's trying to say, look, this is not the path. Don't go on this way. So you have the ability to open us up, and the reason for doing so, which is like everything that God does through angels, which is our welfare, which is the opposite of the power in hell. If you can see our episode, The Good Thing About Hell, everyone who's in hell According to Swedenborg, in that state of mind, they want to exercise dominance over other people. That's the power they want. They want other people to do what they want. They want other people to serve them, worship them, so on. Angelic power is the opposite. It's the power to serve and to love and to bring happiness to someone without this kind of overbearing sort of attachment. And there's a symbolization there that carries out throughout the whole of heaven, where you, you maybe are familiar with the Klutenborg's concept of the grand human, or that heaven is organized functionally like a body. Well, he says that ha- our arms and hands, in a, as a reflection of that, are a symbol of the power of living out our intention. He says this in Divine Love and Wisdom 2.20, since the whole being or body focuses its powers primarily in the arms and hands, which are extremities, arms and hands in the word mean power with the right hand meaning the greater power. Tough for lefties, right? Since this is how the levels unfold and express themselves in power, the angels who are with us and are sensitive to everything in us can tell simply from a single action of our hand what we are like in discernment and intent, in charity and faith. And therefore, 
in the inner life of our minds and the outer life of our bodies, which comes from the inner life. I have often been astounded by the kind of recognition angels have simply from the physical angels have simply from the physical action of a hand, but it has been shown to me often enough and by personal experience. We should realize, though, that works mean deeds of service that are put into action. The whole of charity and faith is in them and depends on them. The correspondence is with acts of service because while the correspondence is spiritual, it happens through the substances and materials that are its subjects, meaning we may have all kinds of good ideas and love inside us unless we do something in the physical world that's primarily through our arms and hands and the spiritual world through their counterparts. It doesn't mean anything. You need to do that action to, to bring this love and wisdom to life. So in heaven, in this, this grand human, who are the strongest angels? Swedenborg says it's the ones that correspond to the arms and the hands, and he describes it further in Heaven and Hell 231. The angels who constitute the arm in the universal human, or heaven, have the most power because they are the ones who, more than any others, are focused on things true, and good flows into their truths from the entire heaven. So too all our strength is concentrated in our arms, and the whole body expresses its powers through them. This is why arms and hands in the word mean power. Sometimes a bare arm appears in heaven that has so much power that it could crush any obstacle, even if it were a boulder on earth. Once it moved toward me, and I saw that it could crush my bones to powder. Did he have his bones crushed to power? powder? <laughs> you, have to, you have to read the book, I can't tell you. Well, okay, spoiler, he does not get crushed into powder. He survives, but he got to experience the power of power, like the power in its essence. And that this is a correspondence, a symbol that a human arm is a symbol of power. You see it, it somehow is expressing visually this intangible concept of power. And we want to look in the next section at what each of our, what kind of power can we aspire to, and do we have a, a power that we can contribute to the greater whole. So let's take a look. According to Swedenborg, we each have our own power. We each have a unique offering that we can bring to the universe, whatever, to humanity as a whole, to everything, to reality. We can perform some function that nobody else can. Heaven and Hell 231, he says, further, each individual angel is her or his own truth and own good, because the nature of each one is determined by her or his discernment and intent. Discernment being a matter of what is true because of all its functions originate in truths, and intent being a matter of what is good because all its functions originate in aspects of the good. You see, whatever we understand we call true, and whatever we intend we call good. This is why each one of us is his or her own truth and own good. Therefore, to the extent to which an angel is truth from the divine and good from the divine, that angel is a power because the Lord is with her to that extent. Further, since no one enjoys exactly the same good and truth as anyone else, for in heaven as in, and in this world there is constant variety, one angel does not enjoy the same power as another. So we all have the potential to be this embodiment of some part of the divine good and truth or love and wisdom in a way that nobody else can ever be. We have a contribution to make that nobody else can do, and in the terms of this episode, we can become powerful in a way, in a specific area that nobody else, 
not even any other angel can become powerful in. But it takes effort to develop that power. Let's say we want to get it, we've got to put in some work. This is Spiritual Experiences 1218. And this, he's talking about what it takes to get that power. He says, power is obtained only by chastenings or struggles, spiritual or, or emotional struggles. I spoke with spirits who were undergoing chastening and were losing hope because they did not want to believe what they were being told, namely that they can only obtain the power to become angels through chastenings. Before they have gotten as a gift from the Lord the amount of power needed to be able to be led as angels, they cannot be let in. There must be a fullness of power before admissions is possible, hence the chastening process. Moreover, after they have become angels, there is also chastening, since there are still very many filthy earthly elements that rebel, causing something like fermentation within the groups. We did an episode called Spiritual Fermentation. Therefore, while these elements are being thrown off, they are sent away and then admitted again. Nor can one ever be so filled with power that such elements do not constantly have to be thrown off, and thus the angel must improve. So spirits are gifted by the Lord with nothing but the abilities to be led in the way of truth and goodness. These are added over and above, and then, when a balance is reached, and they are being led by the Lord in truth and goodness, to themselves it seems that they are good, and that their evils and falsities have been wiped away, which, however, is not the case. Now, he goes on and on about that, and this goes back to what we were saying before, that even angels can get in this state where they start taking credit or whatever their vices are, and then they need to go through this process where they get better. And for us, that's the answer, essentially, in that number we just read. Why do bad things happen? Why does anything negative happen? Because through it, we can... It's not that it's being done to us intentionally, but through it, we can become better. We can learn what's really important in life. We can know what love is. We can learn what evil is through that, and from that, reject evil when we come across it. And actually, Swedenborg says, you're never going to be get to get your superpower and become an angel without going through hard things. That's that Every angel got that, what they are, that way. So we, that may be a negative thing, but it could also be a positive thing, because I'm sure you all out there are going through hard things yourself or have gone through hard things. What I find this can do is let us look at the hard things in life as this opportunity to grow spiritually stronger rather than look at it as just why did any of this happen? Like we can we can get better from this. And you actually have people just in the physical world talking about turning challenges into sort of a, a game or, or a set of tasks. There's a, someone named Jane McGonigal. Uh, I don't know if you've heard her TED Talk. She's got a website called superbetter.com where essentially you take your problems, make them into challenges and goals and kind of quantify and uh, be, measure your score on how do you accomplish your little goals. And she did this. She's got a really cool story. Check out her talk. But she had all these negative things inside of her and she was struggling with all this stuff, and so she turned it into this sort of game to get through. Whatever works for you, hopefully it makes it a little easier knowing that all this stuff is somehow contributing to not just your future happiness, but your future power. You are gaining power through the things you've been through that someday is going to be just what's needed to do these amazing things that only you can do. And in case you're trying to like picture it, what sort of superpowers can we look forward to? Here's a little list of angelic superpowers. According to Swedenborg, 
He said in Apocalypse Revealed 648 that the angels can have power over fire. They can have the power to close and open different levels of individuals' minds or mind control. We saw that in this paraphrase I gave earlier. They can read people's characters just from gestures. They have the power to fly, which you got to have, or you ain't no superpower haver at all. Superhuman strength, invisibility, the ability to suddenly appear somewhere, telepathy, telekinesis, Kyle, eternal youth, X-ray vision, superhuman hearing, he says in Heaven and Hell 225, they have talked with me from a distance as audibly as when they were near, and then superhuman speed, souls and spirits seem to be transported from one place to another, sometimes it's with the speed of lightning, sometimes in an instant or in the wink of an eye, and if you're just going to add a little one at the end, invulnerability. <laughs> and these, of course, are just broad categories. You're going to have a spin on them, an ability to deploy these kinds of things in a way nobody else can. I'm not saying this happens on, in the world. This happens in the spirit, all right? You're already gaining that in the world. I don't know what you get, uh, you, you know, happier. You get a little happier and more hopeful, but it really blooms, I'm told, in the next life, all right? So, but you're probably thinking by now, if angels are so powerful, if there's you know, people becoming angels and there's this, all these ranks that are swelling full of angels, angels only want to help, they're channeling God's power, they're doing a great job, well, where are they? And why aren't we hearing them? Why aren't we feeling them a lot more than we are? And we're going to try to look at that in part five. So if they're so present, angels, and so powerful, where are they? Well, there might be some interference that's causing them, even though they're, they are present and they are providing essential functions, Swedenborg says, they are protecting us. If, if they disappeared, we actually wouldn't be able, we, would, we wouldn't survive for an instant, he says. However, we'd like to have more communication than, than we do, and Swedenborg reported on this very fascinating instance of uh, interference or a blockage that was happening on a massive spiritual scale. So this is going to be Spiritual Experiences 152, and there's, we're going to read a few numbers here, but he's listing about this thing he calls the collective energy field of spirits, or the blocking field. He says, it is certainly difficult to understand what the collective field of spirits is and what their impact upon human minds is without being informed how spirits are differentiated most distinctly into kinds and species and how their energy, which creates that field, responds to and thus guides every single thought and mental image in a human being. The relation of human minds to the collective field of spirits is no different from that of the air, which is the grosser atmosphere and related to hearing compared to the ether or purer atmosphere related to sight or the dense clouds around the earth compared to the clear and serene region up above. And he goes on. Now he's starting to list points about this spiritual interference that he saw. And you see this is only 152, so this is pretty close to the beginning of his recorded spiritual experiences that he saw this. The energy field of spirits is now so corrupted that whatever flows from the more inward heaven into their realm becomes so distorted that whatever is communicated does not become known at all, but all in the least messages stream into human minds with an entirely opposite content. So this is in his day, but perhaps it's still like this. Such is that field at this day, and so it has been growing and is growing toward the last day when it will be dispersed, but in most ancient times it was not so. 
It is also because of this field that revelations cannot come forth today as they did in ancient times, except by an extraordinary way, and that there is no such communication with the heavens as there once was. So we used to be able to see heaven and interact with it much more than we do now, but there's this huge blockage happening from all the negativity that, that the human race over history has invited in. For a period of some hours, I was shown how the collective field operates in the human minds, and in fact, when it was allowed how I was not in the least able to stop them from taking away my thought and from prevailing. Such is the strength of that field today when spirits are given the power to act. So this was directly interfering, and he could see how it was interfering with his ability to think spiritually and think positively. Number four, the whole field utterly opposes the angels' endeavors, and it's the power of angels who belong, who all belong to God and the Messiah is increased so that they're able to overcome. So this is a this is a does say that they're given power to work within it, but this is a major pushback on them. And we're skipping ahead to seven here. You can read the, the book for yourself if you want to see the other points about it. A fact that I have found noteworthy was that at times I have heard a spirit speaking with me and he was abruptly removed. Now I've been allowed to learn that he was snatched away by the collective field that is, compelled to speak in accord with the field's action. I observe still more things that have slipped from my memory, for that field takes away whatever truth and goodness they find to be the most unpleasant. The collective field lies inside of nature. So it was sucking things away from him that were supposed that were good because there's this, there's this climate that doesn't allow for it. That we left that last sentence in there. The collective field lies inside of nature because we basically don't know what it means. He seems to be indicating there's a physical component to this blockage. It's obviously a spiritual thing affecting spirits, but there's some kind of physical thing there as well, like he talks about the the proprium or the external part of the human mind having a physical component that actually becomes a container for you in the spiritual. I don't know. We don't know. But that's all right. You don't got to know everything. You just got to try to know some things. And to, to further know about this spiritual field, we wanted to find a contemporary example. Is this a real thing? Can we corroborate it? And actually, our friend Marilyn Hughes, who's been on the program before, she's written books and she's had a, she's having currently lots of out of what we would call out of body experiences but in a contemporary setting and she said she described to us one experience where she encountered something that seemed a lot like this field that Swedenborg is talking about so here's what she found so one night in one of my mystical experiences i was traveling over a particular city and the nature of the evil around the city dense that it was almost impossible to get through it if you can imagine it was much like a, a crowded event. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of demons hovering in the upper atmosphere over the city. By the time I was able to get through by using the name of Jesus Christ and various other things to fight my way through this cloud of energy, I was completely, ex I stayed exhausted for about two weeks. And um, what this tells us is that we are allowing a great deal more negativity and dark energy. Remember, these demonic forces and their presence are indicating that that principality and power is dominant in our realm. And that comes from the nature of our realm, but it also comes from our thoughts, our actions, and the types of things that we are doing. 
Any type of false view that we may hold also energize a demonic force in. And the easiest way to get, get your hands on it is to look at the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues. Because anytime you engage in one of those vices, you're allowing a demonic force to come in from the, the other realms. Every time you engage in a thought of virtue, you're, in, you're allowing an angel you in the same manner. And so you can change that, at least on a personal level, in an instant by changing the way you're thinking. And then as you change the way you're thinking, become more and more aware of the kinds of things you're doing. But most of us have a great deal of unconscious sin, so to speak. Sin is a good word, but it's just do not see that we do. Other people around us probably see it. It's usually very common for those we love to know more about us than we know about ourselves, um, but we don't see it as clearly. And this is one of the ways in which prayer can really help when you are thinking about how can I draw things in of a higher level and a higher nature, and what are the what are the hindrances to me being able to do that? What are the things that I believe, think, say, or do? that I think are perfectly fine, but in the eyes of the all holy and almighty God are a vice or an, you know, an intrusion on the way things should be, the higher nature that we can attain. We can either be a smokestack that's contributing to this field or some kind of carbon sink where we're actually cleaning it up. And it's, it's all just based on thoughts and feelings. Like give your attention to better things try to push back against negativity in yourself, we can be cleaning this app. So I would have to think if enough people did it, would that field dissipate? If the whole planet or, or whatever, many planets chose, we are going to be nice instead of mean, would we see this field go away? And then would we get this, all the perks of the communication with heaven? Maybe there's another incentive to try to be a good person. So there you go. They keep racking up on an individual level, we can interfere with our own reception apart from the, the overall sphere. Swedenborg describes it in Secrets of Heaven 50, uh, where he talks about angels and uh, and demons. Oh, I forgot. I'm going to first, before we go in there, do... Uh, there's a physical analog to this whole uh, the field. Did you know that our planet is surrounded by space junk? Uh, I went actually to... Uh, Cape Canaveral in Florida and saw this NASA presentation about space junk, which you'd sort of think of space as pristine. There's not, it's, it's so big and so wide and open. Um, but actually, there's a lot of junk floating around the Earth. It's debris from old satellites and from spaceships and launches. That, that that's, that's a picture by NASA, that that's how much debris is around the Earth. It's obviously very small, but even a little bolt at those speeds going around the Earth can smash a satellite. So they have to time their launches. It's actually getting crowded up there. And so there's, we've disrupted the physical field around the planet. That's so it goes. Back to our own personal fields. We can, we have angels with us, but we can actually almost push them away depending on what we focus on. This is Secrets of Heaven 50. Before regeneration, we have with us evil spirits whose grip on us is so strong that the angels, though present, can hardly can achieve hardly any results. 
All they can do is head us off from rushing into the worst kind of evil and divert us towards some form of good. They even use our own appetites and lead us toward good, and the illusions of our senses to lead us toward truth. Under these circumstances, we communicate with the world of spirits by means of the spirits around us, but not so much with heaven, since the evil spirits are in charge and the angels only deflect their influence. When we are regenerate, on the other hand, the angels are in charge, inspiring us with all kinds of goodness and truth and instilling a horror and fear of evil and falsity. So we get to choose who has the reins. Is hell driving us? Is heaven driving us? Heaven is better. Heaven actually cares about where we're going and if we're happy. Hell will go with us while it's fun for both of us, but secretly Swedenborg says that they would love to just kill us. They, they completely consider us worthless. So the angels actually have your back. So give them, give them a boost and things can turn out well. We can all use our own superpowers to clear the connection to heaven, just meaning use your own way that you look at life, your own way of loving and trying to be wise. And if we all focus on that in a positive sense, we can start to clear it up, you know, push back evil, become the angel that you were meant to be. That's the hope anyway. Thanks for watching the show. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe. That helps it push out into the YouTube collective field and the Facebook collective field, and hopefully people uh, watch it and find something that's good. If you want to make this kind of programming possible, then please consider making a donation, which this video is going to describe right here. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. We said there was going to be questions. There's going to be questions. So I think we should take a look at them, don't you think? Okay, let's, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, this first one is from YouTube, from Francisco. How do some angels become more powerful than others? The ones with the right arm. Well, Swedenborg says it has to do with truth. Truth has power, and goodness flows into that. So it's not like the angels in the hands are in all ways superior to the other angels. There's going to be angels who are more loving, who are more caring, who are more wise right? So that they have power in their own way. But as far as the power to really do things, it's in the arms and the hands. And you become that way. So he just says, because they, they focus the most on truth. So whatever that looks like on a spiritual sense, really living by the truth, knowing the truth, that creates a container that lets these angels uh, flow in. So you would be, I guess, letting the truth guide your life rather than uh, gratification or anything that sort of feels counter to it. Um, all right, let's take a look at the next one. Uh, this is on YouTube. Uh, this is the same one we just had. Let's flip to the next question. We're having a little bit of technical problems. Oh, here we go. How do I know when I have met an angel? Um, you know, you because you feel good? I mean, according to Swedenborg, people, we can be angels according to the inside of us. You know, or in, inside us, we can be angels 
if we love and are, and are as wise as we can be. So you can meet people who externally have a body, but internally are angels, you know, are in heaven, um, as a, in the spirit. So you can sometimes feel people that you meet and they help. As far as like, if people have stories about, oh, I was, you know, there was a car accident and I was in it, but somebody lifted me out and they came out of nowhere and they were gone. I don't know. I don't know what the parameters are for that. But essentially, if it's some kind of spiritual experience, do you leave it feeling safe and hopeful? And, you know, are they not trying to really um, micromanage you, you know, and push you in a particular direction? Do they leave you in freedom? That's what I would say uh, as far as that. Uh, Okay, great. Thanks. Let's take a look at the next question. Shelley, can the souls in hell confront the angels in heaven? Yeah, they try all the time, according to Swedenborg. You, you have records in Swedenborg of uh, evil spirits saying, we want to talk, if we could just talk to some angels, we featured that in this show, uh, in, in one of our episodes, This Encounter. If we could just talk to those angels in heaven, we would show them how wrong they were. And the angels were like, okay, we'll, we'll have a discussion. So they had this conversation. Uh, you know, the, the evil spirits didn't convince them. Hell does come and attack. As Swedenborg was saying, heaven has so much more power, but it depends on what you mean by angels. There's a, there's sort of a spectrum of people who are more uh, open to this angelic mindset and people who are a little bit less so, and so they, there's like levels of power. Swedenborg talks about some people on the outskirts of heaven who actually can be deceived by hell, and that actually that was a major problem. So it's not always, but under the right conditions, um, angels just have so much power because they are tapped into the divine, which is power, and that hell is just kind of a negation of of true power. But there's certainly all endeavor on the side of evil to try to harm good. And I, I would imagine there's a lot more subtlety to the to the clash between good and evil that goes on than, than I'm made aware of through Swedenborg. So according, and probably if you talk to people in hell, they'd say, oh yeah, man, we, we beat angels all the time. Whether or not that's true, I think that's that would be what they imagine. So some thoughts. Let's take a look at the next one. Grace, do angels come through to people who do bad things on earth? I think as far as you mean come through like you see them? It certainly seems like we just last week had on the program Howard Storm, who was author, who had this near-death experience, and he had this um, he had this near-death uh, or near-death experience where he met angels and all this stuff, and he himself said that he had done a lot of bad things while he was on Earth, but this experience helped showed him the way, and you certainly get. Uh, people who are being reformed through experience. But as far as come through, like, in the mind, Swedenborg is describing we're all having angelic and demonic influences on the mind all the time, but how loud or quiet they are depends on which way we're going. So someone who's totally wrapped up in doing evil and loves it, doesn't think about it twice, just goes with it, angels are barely, you can barely feel them. They're, They're keeping you back, but they're just barely doing it. So we make we make ourselves less able to tune into angels. It doesn't mean that we can't have some kind of intervention, but in our day-to-day, we'd be less less tuned in. So, great question. Let's look at the next one. Corinne, when you refer to the Lord, who is who or what do you think the Lord is, according to Swedenborg, please? Oh, of course. Um, the Lord is God, and Swedenborg says specifically Jesus Christ, but Swedenborg's Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God. You know, he is, differs slightly from the way some people think about Jesus as 
the Son of God, who's sort of a separate but the same being. Swedenborg says, the human manifestation of God is the Lord. He says in the beginning of Secrets of Heaven, Secrets of Heaven, I'm going to refer to the, Jesus, the Lord God, Jesus Christ, as the Lord here. So that's who he's talking about. Uh, we did a couple of shows. Uh, we did one called Who or What is Jesus that explains that a bit, but he means the human manifestation of God, and he'll use the, the term Jesus Christ, and that's what he means by the Lord. There you go. Great question. Next one. Keith, how does a man develop that much faith? It sounds to, to be a complete submission to God's will with a complete loss of self. Actually, it's the opposite. It's the opposite, that you feel more like yourself when you're there. And that might seem crazy, but I would really urge you to watch. We just did a show a couple weeks ago called The Infinite in You. And there we go, we answer your question in an hour and 20 minutes, because it takes that much time. But in short, Swedenborg says that the more we tap into God like we were meant to, the more we feel like we are our own person. Even though we don't want to take credit and don't care about our reputation, God gives us, we, we feel more like ourselves. And how, as for, so watch that episode. Again, it's called The Infinite in You. But how do we develop that much? Swedenborg has a chapter title in one of his books that says, it's not as hard to get to heaven as people think it is. All, all it takes is just a little bit of incremental work. He's every once in a while, know that something isn't right to do, don't do it. If you do that, you're on your way. You don't have to make all the progress immediately on your own. God does it and just needs a little bit of cooperation from us. It's really not like a superhuman feat to get there, because that would be setting the bar too high. The idea is to get everyone there. So just make a little effort. That's enough to start the process. So thanks, Keith. Let's do a couple more questions here. Francisco, how do some angels become... Oh, we already did this one. We still like we love coming back to that one. Thank you, Francisco, for providing us with that. Can I request to talk with my angel? Can I see my angel? I would. There's been many times in my life when I would have really, really liked to be able to talk with angels. I mean, right now is one of those times. But there's times when I really felt like I need, I need this communication. But it doesn't always happen. And I think there's a lot of people who are looking for that that don't always get it. I don't know why. We did a show called Why Don't Our Loved Ones Communicate With Us More? It just talked about the complexity of that connection, how it can't always happen. I think our segment today on the field is a good description of that, that there can be this whole spiritual dynamic that we're not aware of that makes it harder. It's, Swedenborg says that the, the messed up state of the collective consciousness of the human race is why we don't have these easy, direct revelations anymore. I think some people have the right frequency tuned in somehow so that they get that, but we don't all. Um, so I, you know, you can request it. I'd say try, you know, if you haven't already been asking for it, do it. You never know, people can, but sometimes we can't, and it doesn't mean that our angels aren't present or that we're not worthy of it. It just means there's a reason things are not ideal right now, but eventually we will all get it and just got to trust that we're being given what we need as we need it. So let's do one more question here. Adam, about the future new church that is coming, but that church, but is that church eternal or are we going to get it for a while then start to go downhill again and repeat the process? Okay, that's a great question. Swedenborg describes what he calls a new church, but if you see any of our shows like the spiritual history of the human race, there's been a lot of churches. And church in Swedenborgianese is a state of mind, like a term for a a state of understanding truth, of, of spiritual receptivity that allows us 
to connect with heaven, connect with God. There's been number, a number of these that have come and gone, and even actually our episode we just did recently called the, the um, where, organ, where Religion Went Wrong, about the Tower of Babel, tells a chapter in that story. And Swedenborg predicted, he said, you know, there's this new church coming that's going to be even better than all the other ones. And the question is, is that going to last, or are we going to again go on this cycle? According to Swedenborg, this new one is going to be the one that this is the capstone, that this is going to remain forever. He says that's, that's what the biblical prophecies are about, that this new, once the human race gets it together, it's going to stay that way. That's what he says. Forever, forever? I don't know. But he seemed hopeful about it, so there you go. Thanks, everybody, so much for your questions. A uh, lot of fun talking with you, as always. Please join us next week. We're going to be looking at how to travel in the afterlife. So I hope you can join us then. See ya. Thank you.